Amen. Aren't you thankful for all that Christ has done for us? I tell you, just thinking about it across the morning this morning, we have so much to be thankful for, and I trust today that you are giving him praise and rejoicing for all that he has done for you. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter 22, the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture there together this morning. Over the past several weeks, we've been looking at different encounters that people had with Jesus, and uh, to be honest, the, uh, to be open with you, the, um, the intent of mine was to start a new sermon series this morning, and yet I felt that the Lord was directing me back to another passage that seemed to just fit um, uh, the, kind of this series that we've been in. And so uh, uh, I don't apologize for the carryover, but bear with me this morning because I do believe that this is for us today. Aren't you glad the Lord has word for us today? If you are, say amen. Grateful for that. And um, most of the people that we've looked at over these past few weeks really only had one encounter or maybe a brief encounter or two with Jesus. Um, very limited number. But the man that I want us to look at today had daily encounters. Think about this. Had daily encounters with Jesus uh, for three years. Uh, his name was Peter. And we all know Peter. In fact, probably many of us can relate some to, to Peter and some of the things that, that uh, Peter did or that happened to Peter. But uh, you might remember that Jesus called Peter from a fishing boat to follow him, and, and, and he was one of the very first disciples that Jesus called. Peter left everything behind to follow Jesus. If you read the passage of his calling, you find that we don't even see a hesitation there. Peter just says yes, and he begins to follow Jesus. And across these three years, Peter, as you know, was often loud and boisterous and quick to react, and sometimes Peter really got it right right? If you remember, sometimes Peter really got it right. And in fact, Jesus said, blessed, blessed are you, Peter, because the Lord God has revealed this to you, right? I mean, I mean, Jesus blessed him because he got it so right. And if you read on that passage, you also realize that sometimes Peter got it really wrong. In fact, if you read on in that same passage, we find that Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, right? I mean, he realized that Satan was working through Peter, and those two things happened very, in, in very close relationship to each other. So sometimes he really got it right, and sometimes he really got it wrong, and if you can really relate, say amen. Because sometimes we really get it right, and other times we really get it wrong. And as I thought about Peter and his example in his life, I thought... <laughs> How great it would be for us to look at this one more encounter um, with Jesus and see what takes place, what Jesus does. Because, see, I need to be reminded, and I think so do you, of what Jesus does when Peter doesn't get it right, how Jesus responds. So let's look. Luke 22. This is just after Jesus is arrested, right? Luke 22, beginning with verse 54. Then seizing Jesus, seizing him, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I do not know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word, of the Lord, remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside 
and wept bitterly. Lord, we pray again this morning your blessing upon your word. May it come alive to us in fresh ways today, and may we truly encounter you through Peter's encounters, we pray. We love you today, Lord, and we thank you for your presence this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I remind you that this encounter that we read about here with Peter and Jesus, it, it happens after three years of walking every day with, a, with, a, with the Savior. Peter knew almost, almost better, maybe better than anyone else on earth. He knew Jesus better than probably any, anyone else that walked with him, and yet he denies, them, denies him. Have you ever wondered how in the world that could happen, right? Uh, well, you, you, you may or may not, if you follow golf, you may know this, but the most prestigious golf tournament uh, of the year is taking place this weekend. If you don't follow golf, it's probably interrupted some of your television shows that you like to follow, right? It's the Masters, and uh, um, it's taking place this weekend. Uh, golf legend Arnold Palmer, he shared a story a number of years ago now while playing at the Masters back in 1961. It was the final hole of the Masters, and uh, he, he he said, I had, a, I had one stroke lead heading into the final hole. He, he stepped up to that hole, hit a very satisfying tee shot, and felt it was in really good shape. He said, as I approached the ball, as I was walking down kind of the green there, toward the green there, approaching the ball, he said, I saw an old friend that was standing along the gallery uh, of people that were cheering me that day. He said, I saw this old friend, and, and, and he motioned for me to come over. And he said, so I, began, I walked over that way, and when I did, he stuck his hand out, and he, and he said, congratulations, right? Now remember, he's got a one-stroke lead. He's, he's headed into this final hole, but it's not been done yet, right? And so he said, I stuck out my hand, and I, and I shook his hand, and he said, I knew in that moment that I'd lost my focus, he said, I, the next two shots, he said, I hit the ball into the sand trap, and then I put it over the edge of the green. He said, I missed the putt, and I lost the Masters. 1961. He said, you just don't forget a mistake like that. You'll never do it again. He said, I haven't in all these years since. Can I just remind you this morning that if we're not careful, there's a lot of areas of our life that we can become overconfident. He became overconfident that day, and it cost him the tournament. Peter allowed himself, I believe, to be overconfident in his ability to stand with Jesus no matter what he would face. You might remember uh, Mark records Peter's words like this in Mark chapter 14, verse 29. Even if all fall away, I will not, Peter said. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Those were Peter's own words to Jesus. Peter was confident that he would stand firm for Christ no matter what they would face. And yet Paul would write in 1 Corinthians probably some really good words even for us today. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 from the message. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. We need to put our confidence in the Lord. If you believe that, say amen. And it's easy to become overconfident. Peter thought no matter what we face, I'm going to stand for Jesus. He'd walked with him. He'd learned from him. He'd been his mentor. He'd been his role model. He said, there's no way, Jesus, I would ever leave you. And yet we've already read this morning that Peter, in the moment when the heat was on, responds in quite a different way. Look at me with how, look, look with me at how Peter responded. First, I want you to see he followed at a distance. Verse 54 then seizing him, seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at 
a distance. Peter said, I'm ready to go to death with you. I'm ready to go to prison with you. Whatever it takes, Jesus, I'll be there. And now instead of walking beside Jesus boldly and confident, he's following at a distance. You know, the truth is when we're with Jesus and surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's easy to make promises to God. I mean, we've all done it, right? Setting in, 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 set, in times like this or being in small groups and we make promises to God, Lord, I'm going to walk with you. Lord, I, I want to I do better in my life. And the list goes on and on about just different things. Lord, I, I promise that, that if you'll help me, that I will. And we make promises to him. Stand for you. Even if no one else does, Lord, I'm going to stand. And that should be our attitude. Amen? That should be our desire. That should be what we want God to do. But my point is, it's easy to make that kind of commitment when we're in a safe environment, but it can be hard to carry it out when the heat is on. Peter had multiple encounters with Jesus and made his promise, and now instead of walking with Jesus, he's following at a distance. I have to wonder, have you been there? Have you been there? Have you made those kinds of promises and then it's not too long and you find yourself following Jesus, not right up and close and personal, but following at a distance? Do you know what it's like to make the claim that I'm ready, Lord, no matter what comes my way, I'm ready to walk with you wherever you lead, and yet a few days later you find yourself following at a distance, maybe just afraid of what this commitment is going to really cost you. Peter followed at a distance, but he didn't just follow at a distance. He also surrounded himself with the wrong people. Look at verse 55. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. The guards who arrested Jesus, the servants of the high priest, and other officials there that day, they start a fire to warm themselves. And now Peter is sitting with the very men who had likely been part of the crowd that had arrested Jesus. He's trying to blend into the crowd. He didn't want to stand out this day and be noticed, but he kind of just wanted to blend in. Do you notice the progression already? There's a progression here, right? From, from, Lord, I'm willing to go to death to the death with you and to prison with you to following at a distance, and now he's trying to blend into the crowd that's around him so he wouldn't be noticed. You realize this morning that there's the same progression to sin if we're not careful in our lives as well. The enemy is so very subtle in the way that he tries to detour us from doing what God would have us to do. He's very patient to get us to take one little step away after another little step away and then another little step away and before you know it, instead of walking boldly with Jesus and walking in the center of his will and doing what he would have us to do, we find ourselves far from where Christ desires for us to be. If you know what I'm saying is true this morning, say amen. It's true. We can probably all put ourselves in Peter's shoes at some point in our life trying to justify things that we knew were wrong. I mean, we know that it's not what God wanted, and yet we find ourselves trying to justify it anyway. There was a man that was driving down the interstate one day, and his phone rang. He answered his phone, and, and next he heard his wife's voice, and she was, she was really, she could just tell she was upset. She began to talk to him, and he was, she was warning him, saying, saying, John, listen, I heard on the news that there's a car. It's going the wrong way on Interstate 280. I know that's the route you took. Would you please, please be careful? And her husband responded, well, I'll tell you, it's not just one car. It's hundreds of them. That's what he said. 
It'll sink in in a minute. We have a hard time. We have a hard time admitting that we're wrong at times, right? We have a hard time admitting that we're wrong. In fact, to a point where, to a point where, even when the Holy Spirit is speaking into our life, even when the Holy Spirit is revealing things to us that, 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 are, that are not right in our life, even when the Holy Spirit knows, because you see, the Holy Spirit is very aware when we take this first step and begin following at a distance. And aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit loves and cares about you so much that even when that first step is taken, that he is already beginning to speak to your heart and into your life, and he's warning you, and he's letting you know, hey, stop, don't take that step. That's how much he loves you. And yet, what so often do we do? We try to justify our actions and what we're doing. And then another step, and another step. And we try to convince ourselves that everybody else is wrong and that we are right. It happens to us so easy. Peter is experiencing it happening to him here, and we see where it takes him. He surrendered himself to sin. Verse 56. Servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. And, and a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this man, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. We read through this fast. It's a familiar passage. We've heard, many of us have heard it so many times we know the story, but don't miss the progression. Don't miss the progression here. Peter says first, I don't know him. And then he moves to, I'm not one of them. And then he goes all the way to, I don't even know what you're talking about. This is Peter, right? This isn't somebody who's just started following Jesus in the last couple of weeks. This is Peter. This is the guy that he called out to very early in his ministry and said, come follow me. Peter who left everything, right? And each statement that Peter makes takes him further and further and further away from the truth. It's a slow fade. It never ceases to amaze me that the way that the enemy will begin to lure us and entice us to turn our backs on the promises that we've made to Jesus. And he tries to do the same to us today. Can I remind you this morning that it doesn't matter if you've walked, been walking with Christ for three days or three months or three years or 300 years. The enemy's goal is one thing, to get anything between you and Jesus Christ. And everyone said, it's the truth this morning. That's his goal, that's his desire, to get your eyes off of Jesus and get you to compromise in, in any area of your life. He tries to do it to us today. We make commitments and promises to Christ on Sunday. Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to forgive me. Help me to do better at work. Help me to do better at home and school. I need your forgiveness. Help me with my attitude. Help, help, me, in, help me in my reactions toward my coworkers. Help me in my relationship with my spouse. I mean, the list goes on and on. And those are all prayers that we need to pray. God comes on the scene. Aren't you thankful for a faithful God? who as we call out to him and we, and we pray these prayers and we ask him to help, he comes on the scene. So many weeks I watch and I experience it as well as God comes and he gives us peace and, and he reminds us that he's with us and his help is available. And then Monday comes and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And if we're not careful, 
we find ourselves right back where we were. Ever been there? A couple of us bold enough to say, yeah. All of us thinking in our minds, yeah. I want to encourage you this morning, even though Peter denied Jesus, can I just remind you today, Jesus didn't deny Peter. And he won't deny us. There's going to be times when we fall short. There's going to be times where things don't go the way we want them to go. I mean, we map out in our mind, Lord, with your help, this is what I want to see in my life, and things may not go that way, but I'm thankful he never gives up on us. Aren't you? Boy, I'm going to, I'm going to say an amen. 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 I'm thankful for that today. Notice how Jesus responds to Peter. First, I want you to see he responds with a loving look. 60, verse 60, 61, excuse me. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. The rooster crowed. Jesus looks at Peter. Think about this with me. Jesus responds to Peter's actions. Now, you know that he does this, but I want you to think about, like, think about what really is taking place here. We put ourselves in the place of Peter. We can relate to that. Think about what's going on with Jesus here. I mean, I mean, Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's been arrested, right? He's got a lot. The last thing on his mind, the last thing on his mind should have been who? Come on, you can, you can respond. Peter, right? It should have been Peter. That's the last thing that should have been on his mind. Why? The cross is on its way, right? I mean, he knows. Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen. The last thing that should have been on his mind that day was Peter. But in the midst of the most difficult hours that Jesus would face on this earth, he takes the time in that moment to stop and look at Peter. To stop and look into the eyes of Peter, who he knows has done what? Denied him, right? He knows that. And Jesus turns to look at Peter. I wonder, have you ever been given the look? Bob testified this morning and didn't even know it. What did he say? I wanted to throw this out, but Tammy gave me the, the look. And we all know the look. Tammy's giving it to me right now. <laughs> it's not true. We all know the look, right? I mean, eh, I've, got, I've got a look. My daughter would tell you that I, I can put her in tears if, just by looking at her across the room. She's up there. Behave yourself. Are you paying attention? The look, right? We know it. We've experienced it. The look. Michelle has, she can, she can do it with the kids, right? You can get them back in line. My mom had the look. From this side of the sanctuary to where I was sitting on this side of the sanctuary on a Sunday morning, what, you know what happened? I'm not paying attention, and, and my mom's, I feel something warm on my face. And I glance over, and it's my mom, Right? You know the look. But I just want to tell you this morning that this look that Jesus gave Peter this day was not a look of condemnation. It was not the look that was warming my cheek, right? It was a look that had already extended forgiveness to the one who needed it the most. I have to tell you this. This is kind of something neat. At least I found it neat. This word that is used here that Luke uses to describe the fact that Jesus looks at Peter, it's the very same word that John uses in his gospel when he talks about the call of Peter to follow Jesus. It says in John's gospel that Jesus looked at Peter and invited him to follow him. It's the very same look that Jesus would give Peter here on the night that Peter had denied him. 
Do you know what kind of look that was, what that word means? It simply means a look of love and concern. Jesus gave Peter a look of love and concern. What was he communicating? With just a look, I care about you. I love you. I forgive you. Aren't you thankful today that the Lord looks upon us the very same way? He cares about us. Peter had just turned his back on Jesus, and yet in mercy and love and grace, Jesus looked at Peter the same way they did when they first met. Now, does this mean that Jesus ignored Peter's sin? I don't, not at all. doesn't mean he ignored it. Anytime we sin against God, God takes it seriously. He's not going to over, overlook it. But what it does mean is that Jesus is constantly sending us the message that he loves us, and his desire is that we turn from those sinful ways and that we make our way back to him. If, you have, if there's distance in your relationship between you and God this morning, can I just tell you that he's looking to you in love. And his desire is that you turn from those things and that you make your way back to him. And all that is communicated this morning in just one look. And it's communicated to you this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and letting you know I love you, I care about you, and my desire is not that you're following at a distance, but that you come close to me. Jesus responds to Peter's actions by a loving look, but also with encouraging words. It's after the resurrection, and, and John's gospel records it in John 21. But you know the story. John 21, verses 15 through 17. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, again, this is after the resurrection, finally having this conversation. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to, them, said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Don't you imagine that Peter's heart had to be grieved this day as, as Peter was in this, this, this three-time repetition of Jesus' question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? The reason I say it was grieving because in Peter's mind, I think that by the, by the third time, he knew exactly what Jesus was doing. He remembered that there had been three denials, and so he was going to ask him three times, do you, do you love me, Peter? And Jesus lovingly restores him, lovingly restores him by causing him to face the point of his failure but not leave him there and say, Peter, you know what? You may have failed in the past, but I want you to capture this. Peter, I've got, I've got something in store for you in the days ahead. Do you love me, Peter? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep, right? Feed my sheep. This is my, this is my plan for you, Peter. My plan isn't to leave you in the ashes of failure. My plan is to give you a new purpose. And I have to tell you today, it's the very same thing that's true in our own life today. It doesn't matter if we fail. What matters is that we repent and then we say, Jesus, what I need you to do in my life is give me a new future. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future, right? To help you to prosper and be all that I would have you to be. Peter's saying the past is in the past. Let's look to the future. He gives him a loving word, look, he gives him these encouraging words, and then I have to help you see, he responds with an everlasting promise. Now, don't miss this. Everlasting promise. Here is the promise, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes on you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Here's what Jesus was telling the disciples. I've been with you. You've walked with me. We've been in relationship and had encounters over these last three years, and it's all been, all been great. It's been wonderful. I've been with you. But I'm promising you today, I'm promising you today that now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away, I'm going to ascend to heaven, but I'm going to send to you, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit who's going to empower you. I'm not, I've been with you, but I, I want to live in you. I want to be with you every single day in every single situation to help you stand through every trial, every temptation that you will ever face. I know that you can't do it on your own, Jesus was telling them, and I don't expect you to. I want you to have an experience with the Holy Spirit that will change your life forever. And look at the difference it makes in Peter. In Acts 2, we're told that Peter, on the day of Pentecost, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the thing that happens immediately in Peter's life is that he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to preach boldly. He begins to preach boldly on that day to the very people who he had denied knowing Christ to just a few days before. And now he's standing in front of them and boldly proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. What changed? What changed is the Holy Spirit now lived within him and filled him. That's not Peter operating on his own power. That's Christ through the Holy Spirit living through Peter. And it doesn't stop there. You look in Acts, you look in Acts chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and you see the difference the Bible tells us Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray and they healed a man who was lame and this causes quite a stir among the people around them and so Peter ends up getting thrown in jail. He's thrown in jail, but not, not before a few thousand more people are saved, by the way, because Peter is so boldly proclaiming the gospel. And this causes a stir among the Jewish leaders and so they say, bring Peter and John before us the next day. And so that happens and in Acts chapter four, verse seven, here's what it says. They stood, Peter and John, in the middle of that room and grilled them. Who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing this? That was the questions that they were asking Peter because he'd been healing and preaching in the name of Jesus. And here's the very next verse, are you ready? With that, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose, and he began to preach again. Do you notice how he's described there? Not Peter who denied Christ. Not Peter who had failed so many times. But Peter, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak. And God came that day. Isn't this the same man? Isn't it the same man that was trying to do it on his own? Live it out on his own strength? I have to remind you today that because Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, his blood was shed, we can be forgiven. He's ascended, he intercedes at the right hand of the Father on our behalf today, and he has sent his Holy Spirit. This wasn't just for Peter, aren't you glad? But this is for every believer who follows him since, that we can have an experience with the Holy Spirit of God where he fills our life and he gives us the power to stand firm when everybody else around us may fall, when he gives the power to stand firm against temptations and problems and situ situations that come our way, where he gives us the power Power to make it through the trials and the struggles that each and every one of us face. We can't do it on our own. It's only possible with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. And this newfound boldness and this confidence that, that, that Peter now had, 
It baffled the, the leadership, the Jewish leadership in that day, baffled them. And they didn't know how to handle it. And so here's what they came up with, Acts chapter 5, verse 38. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. Speaking about Peter and John, who'd been healing and preaching in the name of Jesus, right? But I love verse 39. But if it's from God, if what they're doing is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. And can I remind you today that the very same thing is true. If God be for us, who can be against us? And it's not by our might or our power, but only by the Spirit of God who wants to work within us, transforming us and enabling us to live the way that he's called us to live. At first, Peter was overconfident in his own ability to stand, and in the strong temptation and hardship that he faced, he failed. But Jesus didn't give up on Peter, and he's not going to give up on you, and he hasn't given up on me, and he hasn't given up on the per person that you're praying for that's far from Christ. He has not given up on us. He, 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 his desire is that we be filled with his Holy Spirit, that we accept the grace and the, and the help and the power to change and allow him to work in us in some really fresh ways. The same Spirit of Christ, think about it, the same Spirit of Christ that empowered Peter to go from denying him to boldly proclaiming him is available for every single one of us today. Amen. Jesus encounters us this morning and his desire is that we embrace him. And I want you to know that if you can really relate to what I described earlier, that there's situations maybe in your life right now where you feel like, you know what, I've fallen short. I, I haven't been what I know that Christ has called me to be. And, and Lord, I need your help. I want you to know that Christ through his spirit this morning is looking He's looking at you and then lovingly he's drawing you back to him. That's the tug on your heart through his Holy Spirit this morning. And he wants to wrap his arms around you and he wants to say, not only do I forgive you, but I want to empower you with my spirit. I want to give you what you need to be able to stand firm and to overcome and for the days ahead to be different, but you have to come to me. I close with this quote this morning. When we depend upon organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend upon education, we get what education can do. When we depend upon ourselves, we get what we can do. But when we depend upon God and his spirit, we get what only God can do. God can do all things this morning. And if you've lived in a cycle of defeat, I want you to know this morning that a cycle of victory is available to you if you'll open your heart to the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would this morning and bow your heads. Father, we're thankful for your presence this morning. And we pause in this moment, Lord, to invite you to speak very clearly to our hearts today. Lord, I sense that your spirit is moving among us, and I want to be very sensitive today. I pray that as we 
pause in this last few moments that if your spirit is speaking and you're drawing us, that you would give us the courage that we need to step out from where we are and seek you in a fresh way. And by coming, we're just saying, Lord, my desire more than anything else is to follow you and to be all that you would have me to be. And Lord, today, I want you to know that I need a fresh touch of your spirit. I need your enabling power. I need your spirit that purifies this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you'd work in my life. If that's your prayer this morning, I invite you to come.